Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Justin News Podcast. Before we get to my interview with Mayor Gillum, which I think you're going to love. I think you're going to love it. Um, it was a blast. His team and he uh, were so nice uh, with his time. We talked about a ton of stuff, like what it's like to be sick when you're on the campaign trail. Like, what do you do? You know, like he's, he's like popping like vitamin pills. He's telling me all about what it was like in the last like week or so uh, in his his uh, run for governor and uh, and and just you know, losing his voice and, and trying to get through the last, last week. And uh, so we, we talked about a lot of different stuff. We talked about, you know, of course, I had to ask him, what's his go-to karaoke song? Very important stuff right there. Just not, I don't want to give anything away. I think it may involve Baby Shark, though. Uh, of course, uh, we get into Forward Florida Action, which is um, his voter registration and engagement group. They're trying to flip Florida blue and what they're doing in Florida. Very exciting stuff. Uh, we talk about Black History Month. Uh, also, what advice would 2020 Andrew Gillum give 1998 Andrew Gillum uh, when he was coming right out of high school? And, of course, I got to ask him, who's going to win Iowa and who is going to be the next president of the United States? You're actually, you may be surprised at his answer. Um, he didn't just softball me, you know, he, he, he got into it. Uh, but before we get to that, I do want to just acknowledge the folks who make this happen. Executive producer Corey Hill, whose go-to karaoke song is I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight. Must have been something you said. Um, I once got booed doing karaoke. I'm so bad at it. Bruce Springsteen, born to run. Just grumbled into the microphone for five minutes. Uh, writer, producer, researcher Kristen Freeze who says her favorite frozen food is deli mex taquitos, which she calls, and I quote, absolute fire. Yes, Kristen, absolute fire, perhaps for one's digestive system. Uh, my tech dude and brother from the same mother, Josh Cross, Josh, unabashed mustache grower. I should say, actually, unabashed ugly mustache grower. He grows a terrible mustache, um, but he doesn't care. He's kind of like... Um, He's like, like he's he's like how Rand Paul is a douche. You know how Rand Paul is like an unabashed douche. He just you know he didn't care, I guess. Uh, and my man Jake the Snake Craney, uh, longtime friend, all the time fake sponsor spokesman, truly the best sideburns in the business next to maybe Elvis. Uh, Jake the Snake always making it happen. And last but definitely not least, Mike Stocksdale. Check him out on Twitter at MikeStocksdale dot com. Very talented musician, and uh, man, in the last, like, however many episodes, 12, 13 episodes he's, he's been with us, he's just made this sound so much better, and uh, in fact, I interviewed him. If you guys want to check out the episode, uh, it's like uh, from a few weeks back, beginning of January, he was getting ready to do a show at the Troubadour in LA, and so he, he sat down and had a conversation with me, a convo, we talked about tattoos and the permanence of them. Because Mike is a deep, thoughtful, sad, but happy and funny musician. Uh, check him out. And check out all of these folks on Twitter. Um, Corey Hill, at News C Hill on Twitter. Uh, Kristen is Kristen Freeze. That's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N-F-R-I-I-S on Twitter. She's, uh, she's got a nice following, a very loyal following on there, too. And uh, Jake Craney on Twitter, uh, shoot, Josh, I don't know, Josh is, my brother, he's always like, 
I mean, he honestly, he's, he's probably snowboarding somewhere and doesn't care if you follow him. But uh, anyway, thank you guys for listening and spreading the word about this podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes and write this on a, like, in permanent marker on a bathroom wall somewhere. And uh, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Mayor Andrew Gill. Today's podcast is brought to you by Little Tum Tum's Organic Papaya Baby Food. $37 for a three-ounce jar. But you idiots will buy it because we slapped the word organic on it. They're just regular papayas. Not even sure where they're from. But we have a cool-shaped jar. Little Tum Tum's Organic Papaya Baby Food. Filling our Tum Tums with cash. Because I want to look away. But I am transfixed This box that shows the news It's the same one with Netflix If I can't tell the difference How do I decide? Underwood versus Trump Who is real and who is lying? Welcome to the Justin News Podcast My name is Justin Cross And today my guest He is the mayor of Tallahassee, Florida He's also the chair of Forward Florida Action An organization formed to register and engage One million voters across the state of Florida And in 2018, he ran a historic campaign to be Florida's first African-American governor coming up, just 0.4% points away from doing just that. Uh, You've also probably seen him on CNN sitting next to the likes of Chris Cuomo and what I imagine are like three protein shakes in the background uh, during his CNN uh, uh, post-debate wrap-ups. Mayor Andrew Gillum, thanks so much for being on the Just News Podcast. Hey, Justin, man. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, I'll have to send this over to Chris Cuomo. He will love that you've taken note of his exercise and the protein shake. (laughs) Well, I I mean, I got to ask, you you were talking right before before we went on here that uh, he'll oftentimes challenge you a little bit, right, during the, like, commercial breaks as far as, like, your workout routine. I mean, you seem like a pretty in-shape guy yourself, so, like... Are you guys comparing uh, notes? No or? I, I, I know Chris Cuomo, man. The guy <laughs> clearly, you know, takes it seriously. I think one one of his kids does um, like boxing, and so you know. In fact, I think that you know they they they, they spend some time. So he they spend a lot of time basically making sure they stay in good shape. And Chris Cuomo to challenge somebody? I mean, really? Nah, is that really his personality? <laughs> <laughs> How hard is it to to when you're campaigning to to get a workout in and, and stay in shape and, and stay healthy when you're when you're doing three or four campaign events a day? Well, Justin, I have to be very very honest with you. I probably weighed my heaviest when I was running for governor. I think since the race, I probably dropped twenty twenty five pounds. I mean, it was it probably aside from the stress level. It was one of the most unhealthy things <laughs> that I've probably done in my life. Uh, I'm help, helpful for democracy without a doubt. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm being light about this. I mean, it's worth it for, you know, the change you get to make. But on a personal level, man, um, the, the, the few hours of sleep that you get, the time you spend eating the most ridiculous, nonsensical things, Red Bulls three times a day, <laughs> sugar like nobody's business. You know, everything happens over a meal. I mean, it's just crazy. So that plus the stress level, it's like one of the most unhealthy things in the world to do. But bringing it back to democracy, it could also be one of the most important things that we do, <laughs> right, which is getting involved in the process. But um, I was honored to do it and, and, and am also very happy to be in a better <laughs> health routine now. I was going to say, I mean, I, I was actually talking to a candidate who ran in Iowa uh, for Congress, and he was saying he was he was living off gas station pizza. 
yeah. like like Seven Eleven pizza. I mean, and I'm just you know you think of obviously somebody running for for a big you know office like that, but you you guys are you guys are essentially like uh, like road comedian road comics or you know road musicians. Like you guys are on the road. You're 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 like you said taking down Red Bulls. Like what happens if you get like I actually I, I I was sick the last day or two. Like I had a fever break in the middle of the night, and it actually thinking about our interview, I was, I was wondering like what do you do. If you've got to do a campaign event and you're running like a hundred and two degree fever, like do you just? I mean, how do you power through that? What what happens? So let me just first admit these are not the kinds of questions I thought we'd get into, Justin, but I'm <laughs> actually really happy to talk openly about this because I think it's probably one of the sides of the trail that people don't get to see. You see candidates giving speeches and trying to inspire people and in debates and all that stuff. But your reference on Iowa just brought back rushing memories of, you know, me and my body guy, who was also the scheduler, who was also helping me as part-time call manager, mm-hmm. because you're doing all these things from the road. I mean, we would literally get up 3 o'clock in the morning, because Tallahassee, as you know, is in the northern you know, oh, yeah. tip of the state of, 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 of Florida. My house is literally 30 minutes from the Georgia border. Mm-hmm. So the population that, frankly, that was that would help me win or, or, or not is in Central and in South Florida. Right. So we get on the road at 3, get to Orlando, do a breakfast thing, you know, drive across I-4 to Tampa, St. Pete area, do an event, make our way south to, you know, Sarasota, and then across Alligator Alley to end up in <laughs> Broward and then Miami County. And get up and do it all over again. And I will tell you, the majority of my meals, even though, you know, in the general election particularly, you'd be in these fancy places having, you know, events and and, and receptions for yourself, I would never get to eat there. And I would almost always find myself eating at a gas station, a Wawa, (laughs) or a 7-Eleven, you know, some chips and a Red Bull and, you know, Snickers, something to get you on to just the next thing. And I will tell you, I... I literally felt like I had run out of gas um, uh, uh, about a week out, and I was popping myself up on <clears throat> uh, um, uh, these tea drinks because I was losing my voice, um, <laughs> and literally just popping vitamin pills. I mean, it, 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 it's crazy. It's maddening. <laughs> but we do these things, you know, ultimately, Justin, as you and I both know, because it's worth it. Absolutely. But Lord knows it's a crazy time, you know, in between. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that, that's that to me is one of the, the people, like you said, we don't talk too much about that side of it, but you guys sound like NFL players to some level. You know, it's like you go into the locker room, get some sort of magic shot, <laughs> and then come back out on the field and play, <laughs> you know? No, Justin, they have much better doctors and much better <laughs> meds than any candidate I know. <laughs> well, let's talk about Forward Florida Action. Um, like I mentioned in the beginning, yeah. you guys are trying to t- register and engage a million voters in the state of Florida. Yeah. Uh, how are you doing right now on hitting that goal? Yeah, yeah. And thank you for always including the... Um, register and engage, right? So um, our goal is to ensure that of the four and a half million people in our state who are right now eligible to be registered and are unregistered, as well as, you know, the hundreds of thousands of voters that we have in Florida, and this, you know, multiplies when you think about the country, uh, who are voters who showed up maybe in 2008, maybe they showed up in 2012, but then dropped out of 16 dropped out of 14, dropped out of, you know, 18 maybe. How do we bring those voters back into the arena Mm -hmm. in the November election so that, quite frankly, we can get back to the business of winning? Uh, You know, know, as well as I do, 
there were six million uh, fewer voters between Barack Obama's 2012 election and the 2016 election. Where did those people go? Everyone's always talking about the Trump conversion voter. Let's go and get the Trump, you know, the Trump voter, you know, and bring them back into the Democratic fold. And while I want to bring as many voters as we can into the Democratic fold, I also want to make sure we go back and get those people who are naturally with us right. to show back up and participate in the process. Right. So for me, for Florida, you know, after coming within 33, you know, thousand votes out of eight and a half million votes cast in the 2018 elections here in Florida, while we had record turnout. It was still uh, critical to me that we do the difficult work of our democracy, which is registering and re-engaging folks back in the process. Because one very quick fact, um, and I know you, you, you get this, but when Barack Obama was on the ballot in 2008 uh, in my state, Democrats had a registration advantage uh, over Republicans of almost 700,000 more registered Democrats than Republicans. Fast forward to my race in 2018 when I was on the ballot in, in November. Uh, the Democratic advantage flipped from that 700,000 to fewer than 250,000, right? And so we've seen a precipitous decline, and that's why it's important for groups like Forward Florida Action to get into the business of getting people registered and then working to turn as many voters as we can uh, back out. And that's our mission. That's our goal. We've submitted so far, I think the last publicly known or released data was just over 100,000 applications. Um, we are expecting um, that the first quarter of this year is going to be a really, really important uh, benchmark for us. Uh, my goal is that if we can get a, a half million new registrations and bring a half million returning voters back into the process, um, I feel that we would flip Florida blue without a doubt in November. Why? Why is it that Republicans aren't out registering voters? I mean, why is it? Why is it always Democrats? Why is it always you know? Like you, you have Stacey Abrams, you've got these different groups, you know, you've got, for some reason, people who still attend Dave Matthews concerts, like, these are the folks that seem to be registering voters, right? But it's, yeah. it's not Republicans. Why is that? Well, I mean, so, I mean, the, the truth is, is, one, uh, many of their voters um, end up remaining in good standing from a registration standpoint because they're not being purged from the voter rolls at the pace that, that many Democratic donors and, and Democratic sympathetic, uh, sympathetic donors are, uh, uh, voters are. So take, for instance, so far in Florida in 2019, 371,000 people were removed from the Florida voter rolls. Overwhelmingly uh, more Democratic-leaning, younger, more black and brown, uh, and poor individuals in my state, right? So uh, you consider my election, again, coming down to 33,000 votes, 371,000 people taken off the rolls, possibly, and quite frankly, because they probably didn't vote in the last election or the election before, right. but the Supreme Court has been pretty clear, at least in previous decisions, that you should not remove voters simply because of their participation rate. Voters have the choice not to participate in an election and still remain a voter, except in cases like Florida and in many others where they are super active, progressive about taking these voters off the voter rolls and creating yet additional barriers to entry for our voters. The other thing is that the other side of dealing with a near monolithic base, um, with very few exceptions, um, in my state it tends to be older, tends to be whiter, um, more working class, they are a voter who, frankly, doesn't need to meet their candidate. They're going to show up. They're going to participate in the process um, because their candidates have warned them about 
the fears of the inevitable, which is the browning uh, 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 of the country. And I think that that provides a very big motivator, um, uh, certainly for many of the candidates, President Trump included, as a way to keep sort of folks in their villages, in their camps, in their tribes. Um, I don't think that that's how we're going to ultimately, you know, win in this country. But in this moment, given the complexities that we face, um, it is it is an attractive appeal for some candidates to move more tribal. Yeah, that's that's it. That's a great point because I think what I love about what you what you're doing, what Stacey Abrams is doing, and a lot of organizations, um, you know, that are progressive, is that you're doing the work that down the road I feel like is going to force the Republican Party to actually change and move their policies because right. because right, right now they're pol- like the only thing they have is to suppress votes, you know, and and to to do what they're doing with like you know, Amendment 4 in Florida and, and try to find ways around applying uh, what would be a law that, that would allow, uh, you know, ex, ex-felons to vote. I mean, it seems like that's their game plan right now is is literally just to try to get around it versus actually confronting what the root of their issue is, which is changing policies that are more inclusive because the demographics are changing and also people's viewpoints are changing. That's right. I mean, the country is shifting. And by the way, they've made no, um, you know, they've made no secret of the fact that they use suppression as a legitimate tactic uh, to winning elections. Now, the way democracy is supposed to work is that you open up access to the ballot box for any person who is eligible and wants to get out there and vote. You don't create barriers uh, to prevent them from being able to participate in our democracy. The goal is to level those barriers to entry so that everybody, regardless of where they come from, what their education level is, what their, you know, their primary language that they speak is, that they get access to participate in our process so that they then can own what happens as a result of it. And that's just as important to me, and I know it's true for Stacey. This is about ownership. When half the country chooses not to engage in the process, that's not because that they don't care about their block, their neighborhood, their family, their well-being. They don't feel connected to the process because they don't feel the process reflects them. Um, yeah. And they certainly don't feel like it is open and welcoming to them. And so the way for a vibrant democracy to work is to have people own it. And one very legitimate way of owning our country and what happens as a result of it is by getting out there voting and participating in the process. Um, but the other side has, has really found victory in the suppression game. And my guess is is largely because it is a gift that keep giving. If you can convince a voter that their voice doesn't matter, that they that they are not welcome in a process, that's a gift that you don't have to give again. You convince them and then they decide to check out. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Iowa Tourism Board. Will you be in our lovely state for the caucus? Be sure to check out one of our many fabulous landmarks, including the American Gothic House in Eldon, the Laura Ingalls Wilder Home in Burr Oak, the Mamie Eisenhower Birth Home in Boone, and the Davenport Claim House in Davenport. We have many old, mildly interesting, modest houses, and it's really, really just terrific. Hey, can we find a way to put caffeine in our corn? I'm falling asleep over here. So what do we do now at this strange imposition? How do we define something with no definition? Man, I'll give it a shot. This life, it's a battle. And I'd rather fight for good than be herded like cattle. 
The odds are against us. Government won't defend us. And they draw the districts so nobody represents us. How do you get somebody who has never really been political, or maybe they are political, but it's not towards the very end? Because, cause like you, you know, we were talking about, it's not just about registry, it's about engaging voters. So, like, those who vote, and maybe they vote for Andrew Gillum or they vote for a Democrat or whatever, but, but they don't really participate in the process in the off-season or even, you know, right now. How do you, how do you speak to voters and get them fired up? Because I think the, the one thing that's super unique about you, um, I mean, there are other politicians who do this too, but you're, you're a person who can motivate and fire people up. Besides just your enthusiasm, what what speaks to somebody who is not politically active? You know, Justin, I appreciate it. Uh, but what I've always tried to do as a candidate, um, as an elected official, when, you know, in service, was always to one be my most authentic uh, self and to reflect what my own lived experience was. People, you know, saying, "Oh, you're the first African American nominee for governor." You know, you're young mayor coming. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. But I grew up on food stamps, and at different points in time, my mother and father didn't know where our next meal might come from. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up, you know, getting my teeth cleaned through the free dental clinic that would come through the neighborhood, um, and so on and so forth. And so, like, uh, those are uh, the experiences that, quite frankly, also serve to motivate me. It's one of the reasons I feel as passionately as I do about everything from paying teachers with their words to making sure people get access to life-saving health care on a regular, routine basis. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we can turn whatever those plights are, I think, into opportunity if we choose to engage in this process. And I know it, it feels for a lot of people not to be, um, how do you say, um, uh, that, that, that sometimes the result doesn't come around quick enough, right? So right. I didn't win my race for governor. Stacey, you know, isn't governor of the state of Georgia. Beto isn't, you know, the, the senator from the state of Texas. And what I want people not to conclude is simply because we were delayed, that delay means denial. Um, it means that, that, that people fought very, very hard to keep us from getting to those places. And in some cases, and I believe in all three of our cases, worked overtime to even make sure that they could suppress some of the people who would have helped us achieve those offices. Right. But, but the truth is, is that we don't walk away. We don't, we don't roll over and let them win by, 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 by these subversive methods. We double down. Yeah. We, we register. We show up. We fight back. We don't give up. Uh, if people are working that hard to keep us from accessing power, they must know something about this process that we don't. Right. So let's win. So that we can learn those same methods and keep winning, right? Uh, and change the systems that that are supposed to work for us, right? You know, that's what I that's what I love about what you're doing, what Stacey Abrams is doing, and, and a lot of folks really is they're playing the long game, which is, you know, um, I have this conversation with my dad often because he, he lives in Texas and. Uh, you know, Beto lost in Texas. And he's like, well, he didn't win. And I'm like, well, yeah, maybe not this time around. But, you know, it's it's one of those things. He That's also, right. he, you know, he, he bridged a gap in a big way. And so I think that um, you and, and others are, are just doing a great job at, at playing the long game, continuing it, continuing all the work. And um, I have a, a few more questions I want to ask you. I got a little segment that, uh, that I want to get to. But before we get to that real quick, I got to ask you about two major things. Uh, uh, Black History Month is coming up, starts tomorrow. Um, I want to know, like, what's your message to folks who, um, you know, acknowledge the history of slavery, segregation, and discrimination is shameful and abhorrent, but also feel like, hey, can we just, you know, 
let bygones be bygones, you know? Can we just let it go? Can we call it even? You know, like, what do you say to those people who just want to kind of be like, all right, we get it, but let's move on? Yeah, so if, 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 if it were also true that I could wake up tomorrow and be able to enter um, uh, the institutions, whether they are banking institutions, whether they are educational institutions, whether it is uh, when I walk out of my door, whether or not I'm seen as a contributing member of society or a threat to society, if I can walk into a store and not have to have folks look suspiciously at me or drive behind a vehicle that is draped with a uh, a Confederate flag as a reminder to my place in society, if all those things could be leveled to the point where I was able to be uh, uh, um, evaluated off of my person and off my merit only, and issues and instances like Trayvon Martin, uh, like in the state of Florida, where where 1.4 million citizens who were allowed to be restored their right to vote, but the Republican-controlled legislature decided to deny them the ability to be able to register to vote until they paid their poll tax. You understand that there are systems and structures that have been put into place over uh, decades, in fact, centuries, to prop up a certain part of American society. And we have yet to begin to completely and fully deconstruct those structures that keep folks, uh, unfortunately, um, uh, as a permanent, you know, sort of minority in the power structure. So once we get an opportunity to start to um, enact laws, uh, enact uh, policy that starts to level the playing field and make up for uh, those many centuries of deliberate structural denial of a certain person's humanity simply because of the color of their skin, then we can both start at zero. Then we can both start equal at the starting line. I think what Black History Month forces us to do is to reflect on really painful parts of our past, but also really joyful parts of our past. People who have been able to overcome in spite of. But simply because they overcame, uh, it doesn't mean that everything has been worked out. It means that they persisted and made it through. Now it's our job to make sure that my kids and your kids can be measured and judged uh, off of what it is that they bring to the table off their shared humanity and not because of structures and systems that have been built to advantage one over the other. Yeah. I, I have to say, too, I mean, obviously I'm a pretty progressive guy, but I had never been to Montgomery, Alabama, and I drove through Montgomery with my fiance on um, MLK weekend, and I was, like, within seconds moved to tears in a way that I couldn't have imagined um, not that I didn't, at least from a distance, obviously understand that there's, there's hist- obviously a lot of history and, and sad history, but to see, you know, the bus stop where Rosa Parks was at, you know, to, to, to witness, um, the museums and, and what they've got there, the Innocence Project and everything that's, that's, that's there, it's, it blew me away. I mean, it, it really blew me yeah. away. And, um, you know, I, I think that, um, I know you gave a speech at Duke uh, regarding that and um, MLK. And so um, your experience and what you're doing to fire up people, um, you know, and get people involved uh, in all communities who who have been disenfranchised is is awesome. Um, So I I appreciate that. I I want to. My hope is that it doesn't have to be this hard always. Right. 
I mean, the goal is to get us to a place where it doesn't have to be this hard. It shouldn't have to be this hard. Right. Um, but unfortunately, it is. Well, you're setting a hell of an example. Today's podcast is brought to you by Capital Grill, DC's wokest spot for flavor bombs that will absolutely shred your digestive system. New dishes this month include the meat Buttigieg, a bucket of lean white meat chicken dunked in mayonnaise, the grillanya, a freezing cold swordfish that was prepared using only intimidation and a pair of tongs, and the Bernie Clamders, a fiery clam dish topped with powdered ibuprofen that'll have you saying, Dear God, why? Capital Grill, truly ponderful. Life is expensive, music is cheap. I sold you my soul, you wanted it free. And nobody cares. That's easy to think, but we all give a shit just about different things. And the answer, my friend, man, is gone with the wind. The hurricanes. Okay, I got one last section for you, uh, Mayor Gillum. It's called Super Lazy Questions I Wrote in Five Minutes. First off, on your Wikipedia page, I read Uh that you were one of Gainesville Sun's Persons of the Year in 1998. Do, do Do you or do you not still have the newspaper clipping? (laughs) <laughs> I don't have the newspaper clipping, but my mother still does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on that note, what's one piece of advice that you give 1998 Andrew Gillum? Oh, my God. 1998 Andrew Gillum. I think I would tell 1998 version of myself that I was worth it. Um, I would have probably given myself the advice to like, you know, every day isn't necessarily, you know, rainbows, um, but um, that I was worth it, that that I didn't have to doubt myself so frequently. I didn't have to ask if I was worthy to be in certain places so much um, that I would not have had to carry those burdens as much as I did, that it was all going to be okay because I was worth it, even when I didn't think it. Uh, slightly off topic. What's your go-to karaoke song? <laughs> oh, oh my god! <laughs> I, I'll I'll just give you um, John. I mean, I interviewed John Ossoff uh, a couple weeks ago, and he told me it was Mariah Carey, uh, "Always Be My Baby." Um, so I'm just saying. You know, like, it's so funny. I have to tell you. Mariah Carey is one of the first things that popped in my mind, and I couldn't think if it was just because we have played her Christmas uh, album on rotation for the last <laughs> basically two months, <laughs> so, so we have it all. But unfortunately, now um, with uh, um, with my kids, is we got a shark song, and it just plays like nobody's business. We got a two-year-old, uh, and so. I have to tell you, most of my collection now will consist of Disney songs. <laughs> I love it. What is, uh, what's the strangest or weirdest campaign rally that you've ever done? Oh, my gosh. The weirdest campaign rally. I can't, I will not name the city. Uh, but I will <laughs> say that it was on the southwest coast of the state of Florida, which is not known for its progressive politics. And it was supposed to be a rally, and it turned into the most cerebral 
<laughs> gathering of a crowd of people as I've ever. I was just sort of like uh, doing a rally in a library, and everybody following the library rules except you. Um, it's the weirdest thing. Nonetheless, uh, we got some good votes out of there. <laughs> I did a lot of stand-up comedy that was like that too. Um, just, just is that right? It's I, just, it's just weird. I'm like, okay. Hello. You don't come out to play today, or you just want to watch me? <laughs> I can imagine how fired up you get in like just an audience that's just silent. You know that that's oh, got to be. Oh, it's just it's like it, it, what's funny about it, Justin, is afterwards people say. I was so inspired, and you just spoke right to my heart. I thought, oh my goodness, I thought everybody was dead but me. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> uh, two more real quick. Uh, who is going to win on Sunday, Kansas City or San Francisco? Ah, uh, Man, um, unfortunately, my forever team, the Miami Dolphins, are not in this. However, we are playing host uh, in Miami. Um, That's right. So I'm going to go for, you know, uh, a city that I have a political alliance with, and that's uh, good old San Fran. Oh, nice. Oh, Nancy Pelosi, will, I, she listens. she's a hardcore listener of the Justin News podcast. So I'm, I, will... I know, that's what I'm saying. I, I can't <laughs> give it up to the most powerful woman in, in the land right now. <laughs> and final question, when, you are, uh, when you're in Iowa, I imagine you may be talking to, to, um, to my man Chris Cuomo and, and his protein shakes. Do you... <laughs> what do you think will happen? What's your prediction? And has any candidate, I know you've watched these debates, like what has, who has stood out to you and, and what do you think may happen in Iowa on, on Monday? So I actually think I'm, I'm, I'm maybe in a minority camp here. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to claim victory regardless of where their standing is uh, at the end of the night, largely because of the diversity of factors, right? I mean, there's, uh, 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 I think, three or four candidates who right now um, will be performing well, and I think each of them is probably going to get a pretty decent share um, of the delegate apportionment coming out of Iowa. And so I think there's probably going to be a story to be told for probably three or four of those candidates where they're going to come out basically saying, you know, it was a wash. Right. Uh, for the most part, and onward, you know, to uh, uh, to the next three to four states. Um, I don't think that we're going to see significant shifts, and I could be wrong about this, but I don't see significant shifts happening until probably after South Carolina, maybe was, even Super Tuesday. I was going to ask you when do you, when do you think we'll know who the queer favorite is? It'd be after South Carolina. Well, I mean, I, so I would say this: if if Joe Biden had a decisive um, first or second place standing in Iowa and in New Hampshire and then runs away with South Carolina, I think he becomes a much more clear favorite candidate. If um, he falters uh, in the first, you know, three uh, uh, states, so uh, New, New Hampshire after Iowa and then Nevada and then tries to recuperate himself in South Carolina, I think that will open up the possibility for a Michael Bloomberg to gain additional steam and endorsement. And if that is the case, it will likely then end up, in my opinion, into some kind of a floor fight between um, likely Bernie Sanders uh, and a more moderate candidate. And, and I think, again, if Biden is not showing his ability to win, you'll see greater calling for a candidate like a Bloomberg. Oh, man. Wow. Wow. I love it though. I love the I love the bold prediction there. 
Mary Gillum. That's that's. We'll see, man. I don't know. You know, you didn't. You, it's a strange time. That, yeah. that much we can all be sure about. I, I, I don't know if I want to floor fight though among the Democrats when we're going against Trump. I'm ready. I'm re- whoever whoever it is. I've said I'm going all in for. I'm campaigning. I'm doing whatever I need to do. I'll be on the ground. I'm, I'm going to join the fight no matter who is the nominee. But yep, I don't know. If I tell I, you, I, and I'm in the same place. Whoever whoever ends up being our nominee, I'm going to do everything within my power to help see win. Um, you know, that's ultimately what we got to make happen. And, 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 and I hope all of us who, who want to see change in this country will put our shoulders to the, to the wheel to make it, make, make that the reality. Absolutely. Well, Mayor Gillum, uh, Mayor Andrew Gillum, thank you so much, uh, for being on the podcast. Thank you, brother. And, uh, folks, you guys got to go to Forward Florida Action. It's forwardfla.com. Of course, Andrew's, uh, on, at, uh, Andrew Gillum on Twitter. Um, thanks so much. You're the man. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Absolutely, brother. Anytime. Good luck. And best to you and the family. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, brother.